Star Wars 7x7 episode 2320. Today, part two of my audio interview with Daniel Wallace, author of, among other books, Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, once again, Daniel Wallace is the author or co-author of more than 50 books, count them, 50 books, including, I'm not going to count them all, <laughs> but including The Jedi Path, Ghostbusters The Ultimate Visual History, The World According to Spider-Man, Warcraft Behind the Dark Portal, and the New York Times best-selling Star Wars, The New Essential Guide to Characters. His specialty is exploring the underpinnings of underpinnings, yes, of popular fictional universes. And you heard more about that in yesterday's episode, part one of the two-part interview, and you probably also heard a bit about that a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, if you tuned into my running of the email interview that I did with him that he was so kind to you know send very thoughtful responses to questions and was even more kind and generous with his time in doing these live interviews or at least you know it was live when we recorded them in person obviously it's a, a little bit after the fact that they're arriving here now but I think you get the gist so in just a moment, I will give you part two of my two-part interview with Daniel Wallace, author of Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection. Before I do, as always, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And of course, may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. And now, let's do it. Part two of my interview with Daniel Wallace, author of Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection. So, um, I want to follow up on another thing that you sort of alluded to, the idea of creative limitations. And I know with certain reference books that have been done for Star Wars, whether it's by Insider or different publishers, sometimes design leads and then you know, the writing of the book follows. Like, for example, you know, you, a design may have been created already and you're only given a certain amount of space in the book to write, which means that you are limited to a certain character count per page. And sometimes the writing actually leads the design. How did it work for the lightsaber collection? It was interesting because we had a template already. Uh, and the template was uh, Insight Editions had published a book uh, called the Harry Potter Wand Collection. Mm -hmm. um, so if you haven't seen that, it's it's similar. Um, and uh, I remember uh, getting a copy of that when I started working on this and and paging through it and being like, they did the the filmmakers because you know from the films obviously yeah. the filmmakers did such a amazing job of variety you know they could have just phoned it in and had them all be the same <laughs> and and there there just so many different designs and just crazy and um, and I thought wow you could you could absolutely do that in Star Wars because they're you know each lightsaber hilt is a little bit different um, but um, what I also noticed in there was that they didn't just talk about it as if it were an in-universe thing uh, where they would talk about, you know, um, you go to all the vendors and, and, you know, it has a phoenix feather core or whatever, you know, like that could be in there, but it didn't just have to be that. It, it was a book in general about wands. And so they would talk about, 
you know, well, uh, Emma Watson, you know, chose to do this and then have a, a quote or something like that. And I thought that's interesting because it's a mix of, of both. Um, and uh, I decided to ca- kind of carry over that approach for this one uh, for the lightsabers because uh, I thought it was an interesting take to describe like how important that particular weapon was in universe and some entries it's mostly just about that you know like how was it used and and maybe it was really important in uh, an episode of the clone wars or something um and then other ones it was i thought the more interesting take was we all know about you know luke skywalker's lightsaber so i thought maybe a more interesting take would be like how was it built you know um who found it uh who was the prop master um, you know, who who literally found uh, camera parts in a um, a junk shop, basically in London, and was just pawing through bins and just pulled <laughs> pulled out a handle for a camera flash and was like, I could work with this, and just took it back to um, the studio and and you know glued greeblies onto it and and it became you know it, it's that's as interesting to me as you know the the in-universe stuff and so um it became a mix of that and and it's kind of all over the place you know some of it's very um history of like real world and some of it's a little bit more uh lore focused um but uh yeah i think i think it worked out pretty well you're saying the the creativity coming from restrictions, there was a, a overall restriction because it only could be about lightsabers, the book, mm-hmm. but then there was another restriction because each entry had to be X number of words because yeah. it's, a, it's a design decision that has to fit on that page. And so sometimes I'd be like, have some quotes or something like that. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I can do this. And <laughs> you know, it's, um, but I, I usually like that. It, 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 it seems to be a little bit better. Um, Everybody's always said that about about the first Star Wars movie um, in 1977 is that, um, you know, uh, creativity comes from, restri- you know, George Lucas didn't have any money and the studio was like, this is going to be a disaster and, and nobody knew how to how to make anything. And, and the end project is just you know, magical, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I, I always feel like there's there's some grain of truth to that, that uh, if you work under. Uh, if you work under deadlines or, or, or strict restrictions, uh, maybe it's for the good. Uh, right. Although I, 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 don't, I don't welcome those conditions. I guess I have to say. <laughs> looking looking back, you're like, oh, that was that was great. But then you know, if I get a project tomorrow and it's like, oof, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, it's the old saw, and I, I think I've heard it ascribed to Voltaire and to Mark Twain and other people about how if I'd had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. Just the idea that it it is more effort to narrow it down into these very, you know, small creative boxes. No, I, I, you know what? I Actually, I think you're right. I think that's actually a really good insight because if if you work on something and it's sort of like, open-ended you almost always come up with more stuff than you need and uh, or at least i do and then it's <laughs> like you look at it and it's kind of fat and it's kind of bloated and it's like well you don't really need to say that but if you have to 
well, it's, you know, 75 words literally in this caption box and you cannot go over. Um, you kind of learn to work with it. And I think, I think that's the brevity is the soul of wit sort of, uh, mm-hmm. sort of a- aphorism. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned having more than you necessarily need. And I had read in a different interview that there was already, you know, a whole master list of lightsabers in, you know, in progress when you came onto the project and that you had to be part of the narrowing down of those lightsabers. How difficult a process was that? The the thing about that was I wanted to include initially every Jedi who had a lightsaber in the films. Um, but we had X number of entries that we could include in the book because they had a page count. Um, May I and, interrupt you to ask yeah. what that X number is? I, you know, I don't remember um, what the number was. Like there was, you know, there was an outline that I was trying to put together and it was based on uh, page count. And then um, I had a, there was a separate list that was like all the, the Jedi who had a lightsaber, which was really inflated by episode two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Attack of the clones, because you see a lot of uh, them in the, uh, in the arena. Yep. Uh, at the end of the film. Um, however, um, we, we're looking at those designs and a lot of the ones who are in that particular sequence, the, the look of the design of the hilt, uh, there were, because they weren't really hero sabers. They were kind of background characters. Mm -hmm. And so I think there were like a, a, a few standard hilt designs that the prop department came up with and they were like, all right, here you go. Um, so if you really like took those designs out and you looked at them, you'd be like, eh, it's not that much dissimilar from this other person's. And so then it became, well, is it is it more important to show two very, very slight variations on the same hilt design? Or could we drop one of them and then include somebody else who has a more unique hilt design? Right. And that's actually where um, where Lucasfilm uh, was very helpful because they came back with design. They kept actually, they kept coming back with uh, suggestions. You know, we want to include, um, you know, Pong Krell uh, from the Clone Wars who has a, uh, swing hilt, uh, pivot, you know, a hinge, uh, in his double bladed lightsaber. We want to include, um, the, uh, uh the proto saber from the, the VR, game yeah vader immortal which i was not familiar with at all at the time i was like what there's a v because i don't have the equipment to play it um but then i got all the materials for it i was like whoa and then uh the high republic obviously is another one um we included a lightsaber hilt for um from the clone wars for a wookie jedi named gunji uh who uh because it's made out of wood you know, like, mm-hmm. like there's there's a there's value to seeing that the design influences of the sabers can um, vary as much as that. That they don't have to be cylindrical metal um, with various parts and fins on them, which is the classic design. But it's because it was a prop built by a prop master using 
you know, things that he he got out of a, out of a junk box, right? Right. And so, and so, you know, keeping with that aesthetic, I feel like most lightsabers should still look like that. They should be kind of a little bit clunky, like they should have weird grips, and you know, they have pieces, uh, square pieces coming out of them because that's how they built the first one, right? Right. Uh, but at the same time, if, if you're talking about uh, an order that has existed for millennia and is very spiritual and religious in nature, then it may also make sense that you'd have one card from wood, uh, that you'd have one that was inlaid with gold, uh, that you'd have one that had, uh, you know, it was wrapped in leather. Um, and, and we tried to really showcase that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, I don't use Twitter very much, but I, I occasionally, I, I follow a lot of accounts on there that are art or museum accounts. Mm. Like, the, like the Met will have like a, a Twitter account that'll be like, um, you know, uh, uh, arms and armor or whatever. And it'll be, it'll be like, they, you know, they have, yeah, they have tens of thousands of, of artifacts. And, and they'll post, you know, stuff and I'm just like scrolling through them. It's like, oh, this is so interesting. And um, and often you'll see something from like the 1500s and be like, maybe it's a, a short sword. And um, a, a regular dude's short sword would just be iron. You know, it'd be it'd be just plain. Uh, right. It'd be all beat, you know, beat to hell uh, <laughs> because it was just mass manufactured using the techniques at the time the emperor's short sword would be inlaid with gold and it would have carvings on it and it would, it would just be the most beautiful artifact you'd ever seen. And, um, and what I like about um, this book uh, and the, I think the High Republic, which, you know, the new storytelling era is that it gets into that a little bit. Like, um, uh, there is more luxury. There's more time to explore that type of thing um, and to sort of indulge in in those design um, luxuries a little bit. Um, in this book, you really get a good look at the High Republic lightsaber, and it looks great. You know, mm-hmm. and you look at the you look at the older lightsabers like the Proto Saber and stuff, and they look great. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, like these are these are so good. And and to to round it out, um, I was also really impressed with like how Leia's lightsaber looks, uh, ah, which is also yes. in this book, which is from the Rise of Skywalker, which is very like silver and gold, and it's, and it's not quite as flashy as some of the other ones, but it's very elegant. And so I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a design bookend with, um, you know, uh, uh, amazing constructions practical wartime reality and sort of netting out with um, a little bit of a hint of elegance. Uh, and hopefully if you pick this book up and you're paging through that book, hopefully that comes through. But that was kind of what one of the things that was in the back of my mind. And I really feel like it's captured very well. And, you know, a uh, what an elegant weapon for a civilized age for a more civilized age. Is that how Obi-Wan described it? If I remember right. Yeah, no, he, he did. And, and, uh, and, and I guess the irony would be that um, like the classic trilogy ones are a little clunkier and they feel more utilitarian. Um, and so I don't think he's wrong, but I also think like, um, 
uh, the, maybe the idea of a lightsaber is is that um, it it's about the crystal and it's about the blade. You know, like I'm not sure that Obi Wan would have said, "Well, this hilt is amazing." You know, <laughs> like, I think it would have been. I think it would have been like, you know, the hilt. You need it. It's got buttons on it. You know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and and I think maybe in different eras they were more concerned with that. Like they wanted to show. Uh, the luxury on their belt, you know, when it's hanging on their hip. Um, and maybe the Jedi of the, of the Clone Wars were just a little bit like, you know, whatever, you know, like, like I, I don't think a, a soldier in a war today, you know, is, is concerned with like putting, you know, gold filigree on, on their sidearm, you know, it, it's a tool. Um, and so I, I think that there's a little bit of that, especially, you know, Clone Wars or classic era, and I think uh, you can consider Obi-Wan's saber from A New Hope basically a Clone Wars saber, you know? Right. Like, that's, it's a wartime saber. Um, and so, you know, looking at it through those, those lenses, it, it makes sense. And then, and then Luke's sabers are, are, are the one that he makes in uh, Return of the Jedi is, is clearly modeled on Obi-Wan's uh, from A New Hope. They're very similar. And so you can see, like, oh, he's he's picking up on that, those influences. You know, he's he's following a template. Right, right. Um, I'm so grateful for the time that you have given me and given our listeners. I just have a couple of more questions, if I may. Sure, go ahead. Um, one of them is that you mentioned earlier that there's not a ton of original lore. At least that's what I have uh, scribbled down as I was taking notes. Um, but that, of course, does suggest that there is actually some original lore in the book. And without necessarily spoiling it for everyone, can you talk a little bit about where you may have gotten to add to Star Wars lore in the book? Yeah, it's it's hard to pin down because I can never remember. A lot of that is like little filling things in and spackling and so on. I mean, I mean I'm certain that people who who are familiar with the universe will maybe come across some new stuff in here. Some of the suggestions about including lore came from Lucasfilm. Um, uh, I remember particularly they were, they were invested in um, uh, including, and this isn't new lore, but it, it's, it's lore that hadn't been quite been surfaced in this manner before, mm. which was the idea that, um, uh, at, at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in uh, the Disney parks, mm -hmm. uh, you can build your own lightsaber. And um, when you can build your own lightsaber, you can build them according to um, certain types of designs. And the designs are, um, they follow different philosophies. And that is not just a guide to, you know, <laughs> tips and tricks when you're at savvy's lightsaber workshop you know like it's not literally it's not just that it, it's from lucasfilm's perspective that's that's very important you know it's, it's part of the um the lore of lightsabers and um to a degree that's also in uh the video game uh jedi fallen order right which we we delve into a lot that is one of the first new uh original uh, video game creations where it's really narrative based and uh, that was very heavily involved in this as well um, so 
there was some original stuff trying to bridge this, but there was also some uh, plucking things out from uh, sources that people might not realize are official. Uh, and I would say that the you know Savvy's lightsaber workshop and the parts that you can get to make your own saber, the idea is that that's that's real, you know, like there's there's truth to that, uh, and that uh, you know hopefully people will be <laughs> back at the parks uh, soon, so they'll be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. All right, last question for you, and I was asking this question at the last Star Wars celebration that we were all able to go to in Chicago. This is a, a one question interview that I do at events like this. Cause of course, you know, people don't have a lot of time. So we try to do these real quick, but um, in basically deference to Oprah Winfrey, since it was in Chicago, the question is when it comes to Star Wars, what do you know for sure? And there is no wrong answer to that. <laughs> it's meant to be however you want to take it. What do you know for sure? Um, I always, I, I think that the, uh, I think the right answer to that for me at least is that it's, it's one of those properties where I think that uh, what I, what I do know for sure is that it's evergreen. Uh, and what I mean by that is that um, it, and this is something I've been saying since like the nineties or whatever. Uh, and I haven't been proven wrong yet. <laughs> is that the idea is that um, the um, uh, what if we sorry what if we were able to um, take uh, the you know go back in time and like look at like the Wizard of Oz uh, when that was released in like the late 30s mm-hmm. you know and I think people at the time would be like well it's an entertaining movie but. You know, I don't I don't think it's going to be around like, you know, 80 years from now. <laughs> uh, and it absolutely is. You know, people really know and they they understand. They appreciate that film. Uh, and so I think that the uh, I think this is one of those rare occasions in which um, there's almost like a new mythology uh, along those lines that it, it has a sustainability um, it's very relatable. Uh, it's very unique uh, because it really kind of came up in its own as its own thing, and that it becomes a something that people can react to and relate to, and understand, and that it it goes on. <laughs> I, I honestly, I guess you know, simplified. I, I think that it'll be around. Uh, you know, it was released. First film was released in 1977. I, I think. In 2077, uh, people will be like, oh, yeah, people will be celebrating the, the centennial, you know, um, that's uh, I'm pretty sure I know that for sure. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. So for anybody who wants to keep up with what you have going on, what's coming out next for you, uh, all that fun stuff, where should they connect with you, follow you online? Uh, like I said, I don't use social media that much, um, but you can look me up on uh, on social outlets. Uh, just look for Daniel Wallace on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Um, if you do, um, uh, if you do follow me on there uh, and you want to connect, uh, just send me a DM or something. If you have any questions, and I'll be happy to answer them uh, as they come up, uh, or send me an email or anything else. Uh, happy to do it. Thanks.
Wonderful. So, Daniel Wallace, author of Star Wars The Lightsaber Collection and many other Star Wars books, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate your time and expertise and passion. Great. It was it was great talking to you. It was a really fun time. Thank you so much. Star Wars 7 by 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.